Hey everyone, John Driver here. Uh, this week's episode of Talk About That, I just wanted to give you a heads up that uh, when Johnny and I recorded it remotely, there was a malfunction on my audio settings. So Johnny sounds totally normal, and I sound a little less than normal, but you can still hear everything that I say, so I, we apologize for the inconvenience, but uh, these are just uh, another of the rigors of quarantine life. So just giving you guys a heads up, appreciate your patience, hope you enjoy this episode of Talk About That. Hey everyone, I'm John, this is Johnny, it's another episode of Talk About That. Yes sir. We're back, yet again, another week in quarantine, another week of adventures in the indoors. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting a little bonkers, you know, I don't know if it's set in for you yet, but it's a little bit, yeah, it's like Groundhog Day. I think I've actually settled in now, I think it was a little harder at first, but now I've kind of like made peace I have a routine, I feel like, and uh, and I'm an I'm an introvert, so it's easier for me to to settle into the routine. My extrovert wife, she's it's hard for her. This is really really hard for her. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. I'm uh, we're getting there though. It's fine. I've you know I've been running. Uh, I've been running outside. Yeah. You'd be so proud of me. Yeah, dude, I saw I saw you uh, ran a five k the other day. I ran. I've run. I ran twelve miles this week. Uh, wow, so- man. Yeah, wow. I've, run, I've run three miles. I did like four out of five days. I did three miles. So you're ahead of me. I was going to go run today to make my twelve. And uh, oh no, it's not going to happen today. It's like yeah. worst weather day of the year, other than the tornadoes. It's like terrible storms coming through. Yeah, this is our this is Easter Sunday, listener. That we're recording this, and uh, it's uh, a monsoon outside right now. So in Nashville, not to disrespect actual monsoons. Right, right. There is an actual yes. monsoon season. Right, I might be insensitive. Gosh, to say that. so how dare you, John? I know, I know. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> People are suffering. <laughs> you throw around words like monsoon. Oh man. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So uh, you had uh, you had your digital service. You said you just got up and just watched. I did. So I pre-recorded pre-re- my part. Yeah. We did a two-part sermon. I did the cross. Andrew did the resurrection, and I recorded it. It really doesn't bother me um, either way. Preaching to an empty room, whether it's on Thursday yeah, or Sunday, that's true. yeah. So, um, yeah, I actually really it was the first Easter Sunday in my life because even when I was a kid, I'd get up and go with my dad. That ever I had been at home and uh, and I sat and watched my own sermon on the television. So uh, with my daughter right next to me, so it was kind of. It was actually kind of cool. I mean, for me, I know I miss all the Easter stuff. It's not that, but, you know, it's very, very unique, probably once in a lifetime type experience for me to, to be home with the family today. So We hope once in a lifetime. Right. It doesn't become the new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. No. We, it's, three years from now, we're talking about COVID-25. Tell you what. <laughs> Jeez, we, had it go- we had it good with 19. We took it for granted. <laughs> We took it for granted uh, how great it was. Oh, man. I'm really hoping uh, that's not the case. So I am. I, I, understand. I watch the trends, though, like the trends of stores of what people are buying. Not hoarding, but people buy more than what we have in supply of. Like the supply chain starting to be affected. And yeah. you know what it is this week? You'll never guess. You know what mm. it is this week that's the big run on? Wasp tray. Uh, that's no, no, it wasn't, okay. but I wouldn't be surprised. Cause yeah, you're like, you're more, yeah. you're more noticing bugs and stuff. Uh, yeah. for me, for sure. Cause I'm home. I'm noticing all those home projects. It's hair dye. Really? Cause people are trying to handle 
the gray coming back or the the people who are not really natural blondes. Oh, they can't roots. go see. They can't those, go see right, their uh, hairstylist. Yeah, those roots. Wow. Those roots are starting to show, and they're just wow. like, I got to do something with this mess. So, hair trimmers, like at home <laughs> hair trimming, uh, and beard trimmers, and hair dye is like a huge run on. You can't find it. Wow. Well, I'm not surprised. So our dog Ace, he's not You've even dyed a year his hair. old. Well, you know, I actually thought about that this week. Like, I don't think people dye dogs' hair anyway. Fur, some might call it, but. We had him uh, scheduled to be groomed, and the dog develops these. Uh, he has this tatted fur, like tatted or matted, John. What did I say, tatted? <laughs> <laughs> he's tatted. My dog got some tats, yo. Man, I tell you what, he's from the streets. <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. It's matted, he was matted, matted, tattered. <laughs> he was tattered, matted. matted. Yeah, <laughs> matted and tattered. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Anywho, he was very matted, like and so matted. It took us three days. Like Laura ordered some clippers online, and it was like torturing the dog. Me holding him down, yeah. trying to get well. The, the vibration out. scares them too. Yeah, yeah. Marky yeah. Mark was lying, Mark- bro. His vibrations are not good. <laughs> like sun kiss. Nobody wants to know who done this. Like <laughs> <laughs> you marking, I'm here to trim you. Uh, no, yeah. he. It was just. It was very. It was very difficult. So I can see how because I thought, wow, this whole pet grooming industry. So it's very similar to the salon industry. Like, yeah, I mean, we're all sitting around and we've had to groom our own dogs, and uh, and you know, it was oh, not what a took, what a nightmare. We took them down to the nubs, Johnny, like all the way down to the skin. So my so, dogs, it's the nails. Like Daisy does not want her feet touched ever. <laughs> She'll just snap at you. She'll nip you. Wow. And just straight out bite you. Uh, I don't know what happened to her before we got her. She's a rescue. So I don't know what happened to her before we got her, but she does not want her feet touched. So her nails get to be just Freddy Krueger length. And then we take her to the vet every few months and she has to be uh, put to sleep. Not like put to sleep. <laughs> not like put to sleep, like put her down. <laughs> we had to put okay, her to sleep. No her, nails, her nails got too long. Sorry, you're not useful. <laughs> she, scratched my, she scratched my floor, doc. No, we have to have her like uh, put under what is anesthesia to trim her nails. So then she comes out of anesthesia and she cries for 48 hours straight because she's so drunk coming off the anesthesia. So she'll just whimper around the house. So her nails, it's a whole thing. So uh, you ladies out there with your nails going bad, Daisy understands. She feels feels it. She knows what you're going through. You can't get that feeling in or whatever. We tried to clip. We did clip. Ace's nails somewhat, but I think it just made him sharper. Like literally, if he come, if he gets out first thing in the morning, we crate him at night, and when he gets out in the morning, he will literally don't wear shorts. He will lacerate your legs. So and there's yeah. nothing we can do because you know the groomers. Oh, Johnny, it's tough, man. We've it's been through. <laughs> we've been through some stuff. I've <laughs> <laughs> seen some bad stuff. Yeah, there's weird stuff coming out of this. I read the post office may go under because of this. It, isn't like, the post office a private entity now? It is, and I think there's some somebody somebody told me that the government required them a few years ago to fully fund retirements up to like 50 years in advance, and that's what caused them to be in this huge, like terrible position they're in where they're barely making any profit. So now when you put everything on hold, people are mailing things less uh, right now. And so, yeah, they said if they don't, if we don't get the country started back by June, it'll be like the fatal blow. And then we'll just right. be like U.S. I guess it'll just be like UPS and FedEx. 
Uh, and then we'll just, I mean, what would happen? Like, do we have to? Is is the is the postal service too big to fail? I don't even know how that works. I would imagine because you don't mail regular letters without some sort of you know. I guess they'll have to figure out a way for us to mail letters with other services, other private. Since I, we know, I can't it. imagine the government after all the bailouts not doing an extra whatever it takes to keep the mail running. But I could be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. That just shows how much you know about business, John. You didn't know the hair dye. You didn't know the hair dye was running low. We're running dangerously low on hair dye. Oh, my goodness. If you could see me right now, you'd know. John can see me, but you guys at home can't see me. But the, the gray is coming back in the goatee. Now I have to decide if I want to be a gray goatee guy. I don't know if I want that. I'm not ready. It's like not coming out of it. I'll come out of the I'll come out of the quarantine looking like Rip Van Winkle. What happened to Johnny in there? <laughs> You know, it's too drastic a change. You need to slowly fade into gray. Like I'll get old when the house is paid for. That's what I promised Curry years ago. I promise you, I'm not afraid to get old. I just want the house to be paid for first. Listen, when I come out of the quarantine, my goal is I know I'm going to be behind on my fitness level to some extent. I'm just trying to be three weeks behind and not three months. Like not like, well, it's going to take three months to catch back up with all the weight I've gained. Yeah, it's like like holiday weight times 10 is what we all could technically gain. Because it's like that week of holidays where you're like still you're walking by the plate of cookies, except now it's every day and you're going to get more cookies. What are you going to do? Because you feel feel like you deserve it. That quarantine mindset, you feel like, well, I can't be happy in my life. Like everything, all my patterns have been upset. So I'm at least going to be happy in my stomach. Like you feel like you deserve, (laughs) you know, you're entitled to at least overeat. Yeah, we call that eating your feelings. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Something I know very well. No, you know, I think it's a, well, it was Easter today and my lovely wife, uh, decided to make an Easter meal and dude, of course she gave keto the middle finger today. She made homemade bread. Yeah. Like baked homemade bread that you slice. And Everyone I am not making bread now. That's the other thing is yeast. We're, it's a huge run on yeast in our country right now. Oh, man, It was good. I mean, I, I'm, that's why maybe I'm a little more mellow right now than usual on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Like the carbs are just coursing through my veins right now. I think that's beautiful. How it works. But yeah, it's it's uh, it was it was a really good meal. And then she made a cake. It was like a she blueberry, made bread and a cake. It was a blueberry lemon cake with a with a cream cheese frosting. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So yeah. Again, wow. I just don't want to okay. be three months behind. I just want to be three weeks maybe. So. We but, slept in and Curry got up and made us uh, bacon and eggs and uh, I had a bacon egg sandwich and then I watched nice. church. I watched church late. So I was delayed on my church watching. So you did You did get to see my sermon then? I did get to see it. And my three it points good. were? Uh, a liturgy, a legacy, a ragamuffin <laughs> A ragamuffin no, that's, that's, <laughs> Wait a uh, second. That's a rich moment. We did do liturgy, though. I remember that. we did, And Curry and I were saying the liturgy in our living room. I really it's, enjoyed that. Which is strange. It's strange doing liturgy uh, and, so, and saying things back when it's just you. Yeah, but I, I, but I covered it. I was like, hey, just know that we're – of course, you were delayed, so therefore it didn't work for you. Everyone else no was, one was saying it once. Well, <laughs> when you said it, I thought you were like, we're all doing this, so don't feel strange. It's like, no, it's just me. <laughs> it's a great and then we did. Though. And then it was like communion with whatever you could find in your house, which I don't know if we want to just make that a thing. I mean, I'm sure well, I, I understand the spirit of it, but it's just what's, what's the limit? 
I don't, you know, what I used to have. You remember? What if somebody's like, look, okay, I had, <laughs> I, know, I had some, I had some great nuts and some Jack Daniels. Does that work? I John, think, be honest with you. What is the heart of what you're doing? It was a meal Jesus shared with his disciples. And yes, it was a Passover meal, but right. I, 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 I really think I'm just not, in fact, I read, dude, someone sent me an article and, and a guy wrote about how, uh, doing, the Lord's Supper via like Zoom or streaming was not the Lord's Supper. Like he literally wrote a theological article about it, how it couldn't oh, be yeah. the same thing because the whole point of it is, is that we're all together physically, you know. And it really kind of offended me. I was just like, yeah, and that, I, no. I, I get that it's more, it's ideal. And I think that he had a point. Yes, the idea is to be together. Absolutely. Yeah, but, but what I mean, about when the disciples were all in hiding and they still had this, you know, common thread of, you know, sharing in the suffering of Jesus? Like, are you going to dismiss their experience? Because like, oh, they all weren't all together. That's exactly what I said. I was like, well, where two or three are gathered, you know, so I think it was what Laura said. Number one, I mean, there's there's obviously something about the churches together when, any, there's, when there's more than one. And then, you know. Two, even Paul said, hey, I want you remember that I forget which letter he was writing from prison, so he couldn't be there. And he said, hey, when you guys come together, I'll basically be with you in spirit. Like he felt this connection to them because of the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ, like come together and do these things. I, I just think it's it's going too far. I think if people if, if people can, especially now that we can see each other and all of our groups are, are sitting pictures of what they're doing. You know, I mean, I think it's I think it's a beautiful, wonderful thing that we're sustained in community. And the idea of trying to suddenly, I, the whole reason we went down this, this rabbit hole is, I mean, I, I don't, it's kind of like baptism. You know, I used to feel like, oh, you know, the pastors should baptize people. We totally rewrote that. Like, actually, it's more scriptural that the person that brought you to Christ or that you're walking out with, it'd be great for them to share this experience with you. There's nothing like holy about the person who's baptizing you. Uh, you're all holy. We're all, you know, this is the priesthood of the believer. And, and this is, you know. A, a kingdom of priests. So yeah, man, baptize each other. That's great. We don't need, you know, one of us up there to do it. We'll be happy to, to help or be a part, but give yeah. people, let people feel ministry. It's the same way I feel about this. Like, Hey, are you honoring the Lord? Are you remembering his death, burial and resurrection until he comes? Are you doing it to be unified with other believers? Well then I think that that's the, you know, the spirit. Anything, anything more than that, I think we can get really legalistic really quick. So to answer your question, I don't think it matters. I mean, if you're being disrespectful on purpose, you know, then sure, that's that's really, really bad, especially for the Lord's Supper. But, you know, I mean, if, you're, if your heart's right, go for it, man. What did you use? Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I had uh, a Cracker Barrel biscuit from yesterday Yeah. that I had saved. Curbside, and, I'm uh, not, I didn't eat the I didn't, Yeah, I didn't eat the whole biscuit, but I had a piece <laughs> of that biscuit. It'd be weird to just shove a whole biscuit in your mouth. <laughs> See, I really, I really think this is for you, Lord, and just eat the entire biscuit. Yeah. I, historically, but, uh, it was a meal. You should eat the whole biscuit. Yeah, yeah, it's bread. It's bread. It's close. That's pretty close. Remember, Paul said remember he was rebuking the Corinthians. He's like, some of y'all are getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. And that lets you know they were drinking more than our little thimbleful of glasses that we use now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It was like they, they were sure. sitting down and eating and drinking. So, I'm sorry. What was your drink? Uh, I had orange juice. Nice, nice. Yeah, the fruit so. of the orange vine. That's good. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> what we had. It's what we had in the house. We have to. We actually have to go get groceries today, so we're we're running low on supplies around here. 
So can you I, told me the other day I, that you were running out. You told me you were running out of toilet paper, and I was like, "Can I send you?" Some? I was going to try to give you toilet paper, and you never responded. It was almost like pride. Like you're like, "I'm not taking toilet paper from this." <laughs> I would have brought it to you, John. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. So actually, we're still low on toilet paper. When I told you that, then I felt a little silly. Probably why I didn't respond. I went and looked. My wife told me we were low on toilet paper, so I went yeah. and looked. We had 17 rolls. <laughs> and so I was like, honey, I don't think we're low on toilet paper yet. No, but her, her thing was like, yeah, but, but we can't I mean, find living, any. I was like, well, living with women is different. It's a different toilet paper usage factor. Sure. So it like, is. yeah, I was like, I said to my friend Ed, well, I think he has four daughters or I think he has three or four daughters and it's like, and a wife. And that's a different, that's a different panic level when you get low on toilet paper. Sure it is. And we are conserving and, and using it wisely. And eventually, yes, we can have a problem. And I will gladly take toilet paper from you. But at that point in time, I had as much as you because you told me how much you That's had. That's true. I think I had 17 rolls too. So what, yeah. what a coincidence. Yeah. So but it now, was a – Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and again, she was just forecasting you know, what would happen if we don't find any, which is true of all – Well, yeah, and I've still not found it. I've yet yeah. to see it. I've yet to see it anywhere that I go. That's the one thing that's been consistently out, so – Listen, and I know better than to doubt my wife. Every t- if I doubt my wife, what she's worried about will come to pass. I mean, so I need to, I'm taking it seriously. It's just. Uh, I'm coming to what I guess I'm saying is I'm coming to church. I used to work there and I know where you keep it. And I know <laughs> you, you buy those it, big industrial uh, rolls. Buy it by the case. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, oh, I don't great. think my key works anymore. You guys have changed the lock since I worked there. Well, <laughs> as soon as you left, we. Uh, yeah, we're like, it's time. We finally, <laughs> as a janitor, he was a great comedian. Uh, he, he was not the best. The church. Can't let that guy back in. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's well, funny. No, man. I, I miss having you work at church, actually. So Yeah, those were good days. Those yeah. were good days. We didn't know. We didn't know how good we had it, John. Oh, boy, did we not. So. Um, I may be back because uh, the shows are not there right now. So, and I know there's no reason to clean the church because nobody's in it. So, never mind. We're still doing a lot of disinfecting every week. It's probably there... the cleanest it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. W- without yeah, people it's... coming in to mess it up. Yeah. Well, we had Andrew and Dane and Julie there today, and Dane ran stuff from the back, sixty feet away from them, and then of course everything is sprayed down. And uh, but you know it worked. Jeffrey running from home. I'm telling you, the team, man. It was like a well-oiled machine. It was like a television show today. All the, it was great. Uh, I liked the way the video came through. Yeah, everything was real seamless. There were no awkward yeah. little stilted pauses. That's really good. Yeah. It was good. Jeffrey and Allie and Dane, those guys did a great job. Amazing and you had job. Shane and Shane for your worship, which how can you beat that? Man, I tell you what, those guys. Oh my Although goodness. I did notice. Did you notice one of the Shanes was wearing shorts and a hat? Like, okay, hat, I understand, sort of. Like, hats yeah. are, are coming up. And, but when I saw that he was wearing, like, jean shorts... I was like, was it, okay. it wasn't jean shorts this time, but he does. That's Shane Everett. He does wear cargo shorts sometimes. He had and, uh, whatever he had on. Uh, yeah. I don't know about. Yeah. No, he wears the hat every time and often wears the shorts. So I've heard them. I've heard them laugh among themselves about it before his, his uh, clothing. And again, I'm no one to judge for clothing choices. We know that. Would you so, ever pre- would you ever preach in shorts, John? Like I'm talking about youth ministry. I'm talking about like on a Sunday morning. Would you ever preach in shorts? I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I don't. Unless I thought it'd be a distraction, but I don't see. I don't have John. Some... John, it would be a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen your legs? I'm telling you right now, there's no yeah. way that wouldn't be a distraction. 
Yeah, I mean, again, I, again, it's got, I have no issue with it, but it just would be outside of my. Why do you um, hate Shane and Shane so much? Let's talk about this. <laughs> Gosh, man, they sing so high; it's unbelievable. It's too good, and the harmonies are like it's like they're programmed. It's yeah. like they're not even. It's so crazy how in tune those guys are together. Well, you've been at Water Rock with me multiple times for different things, and I've been down there writing trips and stuff, and you'll you'll go with me. Yeah. And, they sound like that live. Like there's no there's no difference between their records and live. And they're the only people I've ever heard whose vocals are on that up in that key at that level that literally uh-huh. I can't tell a difference between live. I've been in rooms with them where they led acoustically with some of the staff. Yeah. They just sound like that. Like it's un it's unbelievable that level of that's why they put I out saw, so many records. I mean I saw Celine Dion live and she has that voice, that kind of a voice. Where you're like, this sounds like the record. You saw her in yeah. Vegas, didn't you? Yeah, I saw her in Vegas, and I think they built that room. I think it was like five years after they built they built the theater around the acoustics of her voice. That's when you know you're a big star. First of all, yeah. you're called by one name. They just call you Celine. Yep. And then when they go, hey, let's find out the exact whatever resonance of your voice. I don't know how they do that mathematically, but they just said, let's build it around the resonance and uh, of your own voice uh, exactly. And then, so I guess they, I don't know what they, what they, what would they do if they fire her and get somebody else? This isn't going to work. We're going to tear this whole thing this down. Back, this back wall has got to come out. <laughs> <laughs> now it's the guy from Sugar Ray. So <laughs> this room is going to be awful for him. <laughs> uh, you mean his name wasn't Sugar Ray? His name was Mark McGrath. Oh, that's right. That was Mark McGrath. But people call him Sugar Ray. It's just like people call a Darius Rucker a Hootie. <laughs> yeah, he yep. just made the mistake of being Hootie and the Blowfish, and he thought, "Oh, this will be a cheeky, fun name" because they were a college band. And then ten years later, they became the biggest band in the world, and now he's called Hootie for the rest of his life. So live and learn. I don't. It's think like he's uh, Mike that Mike sad. Weaver, Mike Weaver, Big Daddy Weave, Big Daddy Weave. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some things just get so big, and it's like with actors too. You get a role that's so immersive. You become like nobody's ever going to not call Henry Winkler the Fonz. They're going to call right. him Fonzie until he dies. He can't outlive that, and that's just something he has to live with. Yeah, yeah. I like think Ron, friends, like Ron friends Howard, won Oscar. Yeah, friends characters for sure. Yeah, yeah. Ron Howard directed like Oscar-winning things, but he's still and he's Opie. He's Opie, or he's uh, Cunningham. Yep. He's yep. Richie Cunningham to, to people, and depending on it's like a t- something about the touchstone in your childhood. Somebody gets locked in. Like yeah. Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill never really made successful movies outside of Star Wars. He's, you know, he was so, yeah. I don't know. But. Yeah, I don't think, I think that Joey and Phoebe got pegged always as Joey and Phoebe. And the others kind of seemed, you know, to, to outlive it somewhat, you know, and do other things. But yeah, um, no. I still watch Friends. I still watch Friends on Nickelodeon. And oh, I, it's great. It's still so good, so well. Such written. great, so good write, such good writing, and uh, yeah, and the characters are so distinct and such ensemble. Like I like ensemble cast. It's so hard to put together an ensemble show now. I'm watching Thirty Rock a lot now, and uh, it's so funny and quirky and weird. But but some of the ensemble is a lot stronger than the others. Whereas with Friends, yeah. it's like every character was strong. It's hard to do. How many seasons was 30 Rock? Because we watched it for a while. I don't, I don't know. know. We're in five now, and that's what I'm wondering is when it's going to wind down. I guess it got canceled. So I wonder if they got to really end it on their own note yeah. or if they had to like just like, nope, this is it. And you just had to just end it. It's just leaving un- un- unresolved issues. That might be something good for me to restart. I've been – although, okay, I've joined the everybody's movement here, 
And okay. I tried, I tried Tiger King. It <laughs> uh, makes me and, laugh to think of you watching Tiger King. And I, I hate myself. Yeah. Like it's not, like, I hate myself for not yeah. being able to look away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Dude, I look at myself. Yeah. Oh man. Go, what is, and Laura and I just keep looking at each other with these huge eyes while we're watching like, what is going on with these people? Like that, this that whole, is that whole you the people say the truth is strange than fiction. Like that's the show they had in mind. Like that is oh it's one of those shows where you go, you couldn't write a character. Like have no. you got to the one? Have you got the one to the one where the girl gets her arm bit off and comes back to work five days later? Yes, yes. I'm like, dude. Let me tell you what. I love my. I love comedy a lot. But if I am doing comedy <laughs> and an audience member <laughs> and if an audience member mangles my arm, we're done. I will. I'm tell, I'm going and finding something else to do. I mean, dude, the whole them eating out of the the Walmart trash can overload stuff. The yeah. Then he made the meats. pizza. That's my favorite. When he made pizza. I haven't he, seen that one yet. Oh, it's the best. They have their own little cafe by the Tiger Cage that he makes, and they're like promoting the pizza they make from it. And then the guy goes, the guy, the documentarian, blatantly asks, "Is the meat on this pizza the Walmart meat?" He goes, "Yes." <laughs> 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 so they're, they're now promoting like other uses for the Walmart meat. Uh, you know, and again, I'm not trying to be political. I will just say this. Okay. <laughs> when, when the, the one episode where it's, it's like a, it's like a 45 second thing where yeah. he just walks into, he just walks into the gun store yeah, and just starts buying all these automatic weapons and goes out into the lake and just starts shooting an automatic weapon. I thought to myself with explosives attached to them. Yes. And and the guy goes, do you need any explosives today? Like that was what, like he was checking out Aldi (laughs) or something. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I, I remember thinking like, look, I'm not about, I I really am okay with second amendment rights. Uh, I'm I'm fine. I have guns in my house, all those things, but I would like it if that guy, wasn't able to just walk in and buy himself an M16. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think it'd be a, that's yeah. a reasonable, that's reasonable to me to just think we yeah. might ought to th- rethink this a little bit. I haven't seen where this is going, though. I have an idea. I know that this opens with him calling from jail. So I'm, I'm assuming things don't work out well. If your documentary does not open with a collect call from a penitentiary, what are you even doing with your documentary? <laughs> Every documentary that's a true crime, it always opens with, this call is collect from, yeah. and it'll have the penitentiary name. Would you accept you, the charges or whatever? Yeah. Hey, speaking of, are you watching For Life at all? No. Okay, you need to watch. Is that the one that like Fifty Cent is involved in? Yes, yeah, he's the executive producer, and he's actually he has a character in it too. Uh, okay, it's a guy unjustly convicted who gets his law degree in prison and becomes like the prison lawyer. It's like there's some loophole. Yeah. He begins true representing. Story? It's based on a true story, yeah, on a guy's nice. life, and so he's trying to basically, you know, come back after the DA, the crooked DA in New York that got him there because it was all like trumped up charges. They won't give him his file and stuff. It's, it's, I'm telling you, man, cause I, I, I do believe there's so much reform needed in, in our you know prison system and all those things and corrections. Oh but yeah. It's unbelievable. It's, it's a great show. I mean, it's a great show to open your eyes. I think it's very entertaining. Like, you know, it's not, it, it it's well written as well, but I really enjoyed for life. I would recommend it. So. Well, that's the thing about true crime. Really. It's become such a fascinating thing. And I watched forensic files for years and you know, they always, you know, they'll sometimes they'll exonerate somebody with DNA evidence uh, that's years and years later. 
And yeah, man, along the way, you find it affecting, like you say, you don't want to get political, but you find it affecting your beliefs about stuff you grew up with. Like, yeah, if this guy kills a guy, we should put him to death. It's like, then you realize there's two different justice systems. There's a justice system rich people have access to and a justice system poor people have access to. And they, they wrongfully convict so many people that it you've we got to err on the side of caution with that so i'm i've really turned i've kind of changed my mindset on a lot of that well the staggering incarceration rate of minorities um especially young black males over their their rate the, the amount of time they spend in prison versus uh a young white male an identical crime like it, it is a there, there is some and they are examining that i think the, those stats are not political those stats are I mean, they've been around for years now. People are talking yeah. about, you know, what, what that is. And um, it, it, I think it is something to keep looking at. You you do look at justice. It's a little bit like the, like politics. You and I talk about this all the time. American constitutional republicanism, uh, the democracy we live in, was built on checks and balances and in some, to some extent gridlock. It was built on a constant catch that nothing, it was really hard for something to fall through the cracks when exercised properly so that one is always checking the other. And so we, we get upset about that and it has its limitations in the modern culture because, you know, again, we're dealing with trillions of dollars now on a budget. We're dealing with military issues that we couldn't, you know, we got cyber security, all kinds of things happening, cyber terrorism that we couldn't have, have, the the founding fathers couldn't have foreseen. That being said, I mean, it, it, it needs to have that that catch, like the, the 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 check and balance is the key. And the justice system is built much the same way. You, it does bother me a lot when it's very evident what's right and wrong, and someone uses a legal loophole. I'm not advocating that, but I think that you know the whole idea uh, that you are given the right to have representation that you don't have to incriminate yourself. I mean, those things come down not just from American justice system; those things come down. Uh, from English justice system and and people figured out during the enlightenment that this is the only fair way in order to to not let something happen based off of circumstantial evidence that can't be proven. So I'm with you in the way that it, I don't like it that it gets mucked up and and held up for years and you can be held waiting, awaiting trial and all those things, especially if you're acquitted, but um, due process is still a necessary part. I believe that we have to cling to. And I, I think that finding that way to, diminish the inequalities of it and make it more practical though keeping the right parts of it is important yeah it's weird because you see uh people who uh uh maybe they're anti-death penalty or they're very uh, you know they feel like there's such corruption in the justice system uh, especially on the left and i have a lot of friends like that on twitter and yet i'll see them fall into a mob mentality and want instant cancellation of a person yeah. When they see some whiff of injustice that that person has committed, even if they don't know all the facts yet. So it's like due process has gone away completely with social media, yeah. even to the people who would fight and say, like, due process is all we have left in our justice system. We have to make sure that we're not wrongfully convicting. Those will be the same people sometimes that will run out and just be like, this guy is so over. Did you see what he wrote? And you're like, are you sure he wrote it? Do you know any context to this? And like, right. it doesn't matter. We've got to believe everyone. <laughs> Every accuser is right. And you're like, I don't know about this. Let's, let's talk about this. Right. You know, we're coming up on that with, we're we're coming up on that with Joe Biden right now because he's accused of uh, a sexual assault. So the same people who wanted uh, the Supreme court justice, what was his name? Gosh, now I can't remember his name. 
So they had the, the yeah. whole thing. People were like, Kavanaugh. Uh, Kavanaugh. Yeah. So people that wanted Kavanaugh put under the jail because of something he did in high school, they have to resolve their own hypocrisy in their own hearts if they're going to now sweep under the rug because they said, believe all women, believe all women. And now when Joe Biden has an accuser, there'll be people on the left who'll be like, well, but she's untrustworthy. Like we have to believe what we believe no matter what. Yeah. We have to just stick to our principles and say, yeah. look, everything's worth investigating. We have to be, yeah. you know. You do need to listen to the to the accuser, absolutely, and let it go through its process. And it, there's that, I love it, the Bible says that the righteous man swears to his own heart. And mm-hmm. if your beliefs never cause you discomfort or cause you to be wrong, then they're not real beliefs. They're You're, you're changing them as you go. I mean, the, literally, if your belief is Christianity, it is a constant state of confession and repentance and seeing the wrong in your life as God transforms you through his word, his spirit, his community. So like you, you know, and Johnny is so funny. I'm, I'm actually working on a book idea and uh, I, I thought about it and I, I got a little bit of time, you know, and, and yeah. yesterday I was, I was trying to mow the yard yesterday. It took me three hours to get my 15 year old lawnmower started. And I sent you a picture after I was three quarters of the way done with the yard, I kid you not, it the axle, front axle just broke and the left, right <laughs> wheel just leaned over. And I just plonk right on the ground, just went down and uh, it's done. The, the lawn, I, I ran the lawnmower until the wheels came off. But during all that time, I was thinking about how I have these conversations um, with some family members and some others who who feel really like they they – they don't know which voices to believe because everything is so loud, you know? Yeah. And so, and people feel very like, I mean, the coronavirus examples is a, is a great example. Like, dude, the conspiracy theories just swirling about the internet, those who are like, there's two sides. One side looks at it, rolls their eyes and says, you guys are stupid. Okay. Then the people on the other side, they feel like, well, you guys are stupid because I'm doing my due diligence to protect. I'm, I'm paying attention when we need to pay attention because throughout history, people haven't paid attention. You know, like there's this, it's this, like this idea that being a watchdog is a part of um, your stewardship of democracy that I'm supposed to watch this. And both are true, by the way. Yeah, we, we do. We do need to be able, the government is of the people and for the people and by the people. Absolutely. And it does, it does answer to the people. And the flip side is, though, there, there are emergencies and moments throughout history where things are, are different. And it, it may not mean suddenly that we're all about. I mean, I literally saw someone post yesterday. They compared what's happening with people getting citations or other things right now to being loaded up on train cars like in Nazi yeah. Germany. They compared right. it to the Holocaust. Yeah. And I thought, well, well, one, that might be a bit insensitive and a bit historically like, OK, you, you guys know that the Holocaust was not caused or Nazi Germany didn't come to power after a global pandemic. Like these are completely different things, you know, and, and, you know, it, it, to me, again, it was just insensitive and it was fear mongering. And the person was just sharing something they'd heard because in their minds, and I'm, I'm saying this sensitively, someone's convinced them that, that that's where we are. And, and yeah. you're like, they don't know. And here's why I'm getting at. Like, I would love to write about sound judgment. Like how do you exercise and, and use good judgment in the middle of a world that's screaming and, and you want to be responsible. You don't want to bury your head in the sand. I really think, I think that cynicism and fear mongering is just burying your head in quicksand. You just go down quicker. It's, it's no, it's no more the truth, you know, just because yeah. you, you embedded yourself and, and everybody feels like that they're the policemen of the culture because they have social media, which I think does more harm. Cause like you said, 
hey, what source do you have? There's no understanding or little understanding of sources. Like, I mean, if you don't read something that has a citation in it of something, you know, like teaching, like just some basic ideas. Yeah. And I thought about calling it, I don't want to tell you what to call it. I don't want to tell you call it because I'm sure it's hard. It's going to be catchy. It's got to be catchy. Well, but it's well, got to be used. So, Well, to me, it's about, to me, also what we're seeing is, even within the church, we're seeing kind of come to bear the dangers of American individualism mm-hmm. because we were raised to believe that like the individual is important. And, you know, whereas when I mean, you look back at president Kennedy's speech, like ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Like that is such a, that is such a gone uh, idea. The idea that we would gather together, we would all stay put so that some of us don't die. Feels like just this bridge too far for some of us. But they're yeah. taking away my rights. It's like because we've been raised to believe that the individual is the most important. We are all special and we've been given uh, these God-given rights. And my rights include doing whatever I want, whenever I want, no matter who it hurts. And it's like the extrapolation of that individualism, I feel like, instead of saying, let's take one for the team. I mean, like, I would not compare it to Nazi Germany. I would compare what we're going through now being that President uh, Trump uh, just a couple of weeks ago ordered a company – to start making ventilators who were making cars, that's closer to like World War II, right? Didn't you tell me that? That like World War II, there's like a, a powers act that can happen, a defense yeah. act. Yeah. It's closer to that where people started bringing scrap metal to build tanks. Yeah. Uh, the country got involved. The we can do it the, with the woman flexing her arm. Like yeah. that's more Rose, of the era Rose we're in. Except, right, except we're not fighting Nazis. We're fighting this invisible virus. But, I mean, I think that's how it should be seen is we're trying to come together. Now, is there some insidiousness behind it? Is there sure. somebody profiteering? Is there some dark side to this? Probably. Is somebody going to take advantage? The danger, I think, of the payoff and the uh, – or the uh, – whatever you call it, the uh, the relief package. and stimulus. these Yeah, and the stimulus and, and the, these companies that are going to receive money is in the past, in 2008 when it happened, and that's where I would get a little bit political, I would say – We've got to build in a better referee than we did last time because some of these companies did not pass this money along. They bought their own stock knowing it was about to go up. And we got to protect yeah. against that. So, like, but that American individualism that says, like, if it affects me negatively to help another person, like, that's so unchristian, too, that a Christian would, be, would feel that way. Well, we're not going to, it's going to be business as usual for us. That kind of shows your own mentality yeah. and how warped it is, honestly, if you're not willing to do that. Um, no, I, I- I, I agree. And, and you have to look at the, I mean, to, and you said something, is somebody going to do something to abuse this? And, and do I believe, do, do have some local authorities gone too far in, in trying to enforce the quarantine or whatever? I'm sure they have. Yeah. Does that mean that the, does that mean that there's a grand global government conspiracy to put us all in boxcars? Like to make the jump between yeah. the exception. And I think that's one of those things like when in doubt, when in doubt, avoid the exceptions, if you can, like until the exception becomes a true, a true like rule till it's, it's the, what's common. I think that social media especially perpetuates the exceptional. That's what gets likes. And so yeah. if I can, if I can put something out here, that's completely sensational. And I think you got to look at it. If when in doubt, and by the way, it's the title of the book, when in doubt, like, cause it's about, it's just Proverbs. It's just like, hey, what are 12 things from Proverbs about exercising good judgment? Well, I can tell you this. When you read that post, did it make you afraid and angry? Well, I can tell you something. Like, that's probably not, as a believer, 
the emotion that God wants you to work in. And maybe somebody who, who was writing it didn't write it in a tone. And I think you got to realize and acknowledge that tone matters. Tone really, really matters. What did it cause you to feel that another group of people were taking something from you that because they have you lack, like that's a dangerous thing. The whole pie being finite and then someone else having something means I have less. Therefore I have to scrape my way. And you're right. It's, it's completely antithetical to, to, to what it means to be a believer, which is again, to, to choose the good of the whole, but it doesn't mean as Americans And again, you're listening to an American government and history teacher, so I'm not anti our freedoms. I'm absolutely grateful for our freedoms. But there there has to be this balance, number one, of which kingdom rules in my life first. And then number two, to understand that the founding fathers, you're right, there there was a sense of the good of the whole. It wasn't just, and by the way, the Federalists and Anti-Federalists, they they had a lot of these same debates. That's where all these, the Federalist papers were written uh, you know, between Jefferson and Hamilton and Adams, all those guys, it was very much a similar debate on over individual freedoms versus the good of the whole and the government, big government versus small government, the role of government. You're in a good debate right now, and we got to find a way to do that civilly, but we got to do it intelligently with the right sources. But yeah. if it causes you, if it causes you anxiety, if it causes you, and this is something I'm working on in my own recovery right now. I'm realizing, I said this morning in the message, it, I mean, I, it challenges me. Sometimes worrying and being anxious feels like responsibility to me. I feel mm-hmm. so responsible because I'm caring so much more. And how dare you tell me not to not to feel that way? And scripture yeah. says, nope, it does not. And when I bear the weight of anxiety, not only does it not make the situation better, it hurts me and others around me. Like, and there's some, like, I challenge the believers to say, Dude, is God sovereign or is he not? Like, for example, the, those who say, you know, look, God put Trump into office. Okay. God put Trump into office so we shouldn't come against him. Dude, I couldn't agree more that you could find the scriptures that say that God allows rulers to come in according to his sovereign will. Let me just tell you this then. That means also God put Obama into office as well. Yeah. And God put Nebuchadnezzar into office as well. Like, if you're going to use that reasoning, it has to apply to all of them. And sometimes God's people were in exile. And sometimes right now God's people live in an amazing democratic society in the United States where we have more civil freedoms than we ever had before. It doesn't change God's sovereignty to work out his plan. And either I'm going to be okay with that or I'm going to cling to it and act like it's mine to preserve. So as a citizen, man, vote and absolutely speak out. Just realize you're not making the difference on social media that you wish you were making. Like, especially if you're just adding to the noise and, and if it's if it's vitriol. So, like, find a way, man, to, to express in other ways. If you're going to do it, do it. But ask yourself, is this the tone of Jesus Christ? If he was debating this political viewpoint right now, what would the tone of Jesus Christ be? And that's the kind of judgment I think that all believers should be able to exercise, though it's not popular. And that's what you can expect from When in Doubt, John's new book, <laughs> available at all Zondervan and Family Christian stores. I wouldn't, you know, they shut down family Christian stores. Um, and Zondervan. Zondervan. Yeah. Zondervan. They're all gone. What I guess we're saying is. You're uh, not going to be able to get this you book. You can't get this book. So just listen yeah. to this podcast. No, I really, I, I think I would enjoy, I would, again, when in doubt, avoid the exceptional, you know, when in doubt, your tone matters. When you in don't, doubt. You don't want get, I was going to give this to my child at graduate. You don't want them to be exceptional, John? This is, un, this is not. Oh, man. I when in doubt, avoid 
Avoid the exceptional. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, and use what it avoid the exceptions. You know what I'm saying? If everything, if what you're reading is like, yes, some, some crazy, uh, Barney Fife cop in some society locks somebody up for watching right, a right. sunset. Right. An anecdotal, was, an anecdotal yeah. example is what we use to make our whole rule. Like, well, what about this? Like, it's the same thing with, with our, what we consider our freedoms being taken away. We're being told to shelter in place. So they're limiting us. There's nobody. I mean, I've not got, I've not been threatened with a citation. I go, we're going to the store when I finish this podcast, we're going to go get some supplies. Uh, there's a new societal, uh, thing with masks. Now I'm noticing like, if I don't have a mask on, but somebody next to me has a bandana or whatever, which have been proven to not do much, but if they have a bandana, they feel like they're better than me. (laughs) That's kind of weird. But uh, one thing I have noticed is like the, the people who are like scared of these government encroachments, it's that they feel like this is like, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Same people with the gun argument. If I let them take away my AK-47, they're going to come for my handgun in a couple of weeks. Uh, so right. it's like that that fear sets in of it's going to be Ruby Ridge all over again if we let if we let the government do whatever. It's like they're not going to stay. If we let the government get big, it's not going to be like, we'll go down to be a small government again once this crisis is over. That normally doesn't happen. And so I can see why there would be a little bit of concern. Sure. But this is a very exceptional situation. It's a very strange place we're in, and we're trying to protect everyone. And, I mean, again, I've, thought, I've had those thoughts. Nashville or Tennessee at large, we have, like, just over 100 deaths from this. And the economic, the economic disaster that it's created because of those 100 deaths is insane when you think about it. It's crazy. But we have to just be – we have to be resilient. We have to, like – I don't know. I, I have to kind of take yourself outside of those arguments sometimes. I told the staff, and, and I still feel this way, that we, if when we began having social distancing measures in the beginning, immediately we began affecting the curve, and that there were going to be people, if we positively and successfully affected the curve in Tennessee, mm-hmm. if we did so, this is one of those things like you can't you can't ever fully know what didn't happen. Like if we did that, someone's going to rise up and say, see, I told you this is all worthless. And I rise up and say, see, I told you this was important. Yeah. Like, do we, do we need, do we really want more people dying? I mean, here's the thing. It's not like it's, it, it's, it, it can't be a hoax. I have family members who had it. Yeah. Like multiples. I have friends with family members who've been on ventilators. Like we know people who are, I, I know multiple people. And it's, it's been real deal for a lot of them. We know, you know, and, and, and you go, okay, this is absolutely very, very um, contagious and certainly dangerous to the elderly. There, there's really no doubt about it. We know it's not, it's not anecdotal. And by the way, we've now, we are now the highest death toll in the world, in the United States. We've passed 18,000 now. Um, and now is Tennessee a little more spread out than New York city? I mean, yeah, man, out here in Mount Julia, we're not like we're walking around right. in the same way. So I think that it is going to be affected differently. And I, dude, I'm, I absolutely uh, am very concerned about the economic impact. I think here's the thing. Why can't I hold both viewpoints in tension? I think right. that's the exceptional thing. Like why does it have to be so polarized where either I don't care about life at all. If I care about the economy or if I'm kind of worried about the economy, uh, or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? I only care about life and I don't care about the economy. It's like, hey guys, here's the deal. I care about life and also care about the economy. Uh, I do think life's more important and I do think that there are balances. I do think that there's logical things. I also think that the bottom line is 
I don't want my 71 year old mother getting this because it would adversely affect her with her preexisting health conditions and all the things yeah. in her age. I got to protect her and do what I have to do here. And what would be nice is, is, you know, if, if you could honor that if, and try to honor what I have to do to do my best to do diligence as a son and as she lives with us, and I will do my best to honor what you have to do in there. And if we can, you know, try to come to some place where we're have some semblance of civility and care for the common man around us. And also, by the way, I pray for the economy and pray this gets back and pray that we're able to flatten it quickly, you know, and, and get back to work. And, and, and so it's like, again, you and I talk about all the time. Usually the best place to be in life, the most reasonable place, in fact, is what it says in Philippians. Let your gentleness, your reasonableness, is this in the, in the Amplified, your reasonable, um, your basically ability to see all sides, your ability to 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 cope with what's happening, to to not just hammer on one pole or the other. Let it be evident. And, and reasonable life right here is, guys, it's a difficult situation. Everybody's doing the best they can. And if right. we find energy from criticizing – if it gives us energy for criticizing, I, I think I can boldly say from scripture, that's not the right kind of energy. <laughs> if it just, if I like, if, if I could just go on an absolute tear against anybody whose viewpoint differs at all from mine right now, then I just think that that's not the tone of the gospel and that's not a healthy tone. And here's the deal. It's not making you actually feel better. Whatever you think it's doing, it's just ramping you up into more anxiety, fear, and anger. And those are not the places that I want to live anymore. I've lived there too long. Yeah. Against you mainly, Johnny. But, yeah, uh, well, that's what I was going to say. We've had this bitter blood feud that we decided we would solve uh, through this podcast, and I feel like it's helped. I think a little bit, a little bit. I still we're, can never forgive you for what you did. 106 uh, hours into it, we'll, <laughs> we're whittling away at the rage that, that just <laughs> boils on. It's okay. I don't know. Someone's going to start a podcast about our podcast. It's like a true crime. But they go behind the scenes it's and the talk af- about the relationship. It's the after show. It's like, what just happened on there? Oh. And then you have those shows are hilarious to me. You watch no, the show they, after the show. Well, they have that. It's a pre-show on the Curse of Oak Island, and they're about to yeah. end the season. And uh, they call it the Precurse of Oak Island, the precursor to the. <laughs> what do they call it? It's called, it calls uh, dig, digging down. I think is what they call it. Yeah, oh you know, they do extra interviews and stuff, you know. So, but um, they have found some cool things. It's all really old. And it's, it's, it's scientifically dated. And yes, they have found some treasures, some rings and some pendants and some precious metals and stuff like that. Just haven't found the big cash yet. But dude, I mean, it's a human no. bone, Johnny, at 100 feet below ground, carbon dated and tested DNA wise back to the 1600s. One guy from Europe and one guy from the Middle East. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, what, how could that be 100 feet underground, Johnny? Answer that question. Answer me this. Have they found Carol Baskin's husband? <laughs> that was bad. Which, I, so see, that's your, just, there's your crossover. That's what's going to happen. It's a collaboration between those two shows. All ratings. That's ratings gold. That's better than real gold. Oh, my goodness. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they just, they just introduced that storyline about her husband in the episode I watched last night. I was like, wow. Oh, you got to get into it, John. We're not, in, we're not endorsing it. We're not endorsing any viewpoints. It's just no. a crazy show. And you can't, it's like uh, you're, putting your head in, you're putting your head in the sand if you don't watch Tiger King. Something crazy. It's the craziest show that's ever been. You got to wonder, though, did these guys start the coronavirus? Because 
This huh. is taking off because everybody's at home right now. Has anyone thought about that conspiracy yet? Yeah. They Put that on Facebook. Listener. You know what's funny is, even though it does not paint him in a good light at all, I've heard that from jail, he's so excited about the fame. Like, he, I mean, he comes oh, off. Oh, absolutely. He's just, that's how much of the narcissistic personality he is. It's like, oh, they're all watching yeah. me? It's like, yeah, he doesn't he's, care. He's, he's so like excited. if Joe McCarthy opened up a wildlife refuge, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or whatever. I'm sorry, it's not a refuge, uh, apparently. But that, <laughs> it, it, it is, uh, again, it's like watching a train wreck and you just can't turn away. Like you can't, maybe I should turn away, Johnny. I don't know. Yeah, we also well, watched the Ken Burns National Parks documentary, so it's not let's like, balance out. Yeah, you're just, yeah. You a little bit of culture and a little bit of yeah. you know redneck private zoo owner. I'm still reading my thousand page Ulysses S. Grant uh, biography too, so you know. Yeah, uh, you win. Doing, you come out. You come out on top. <laughs> let's balance out. <laughs> let's balance out. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah. You had like a hey, kale hey. salad and then a five year old Twinkie that you found behind your couch. That's basically. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the academic content that you absorb. Yeah, it's very, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's like my wife. She loves she a seven course meal. Uh, and then she mm-hmm. also loves Taco Bell. Like she loves yeah. Taco Bell and, so, and Crystal. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to be well rounded. Her traditional Crystal stop is after she goes for her annual visit with her doctor Every year, and so if she comes out clean and she stops at Crystal, I'm like, honey, you're yeah, yeah you're adversely affecting next year's. I mean, this stuff probably sits in your body for a whole year. Yeah. Crystal, so the Crystal had just come out of her system from the last year before these tests were run. Probably <laughs> like, well, that's you're right. clean now. That's good. Your, your your crystal level is down. That's good. That's good. <laughs> they have a whole lipid panel just for that. So, yeah. Well, hey, listener, we appreciate you uh, giving us your time. I do wonder, listener, what. If if our show was a food group, how is it affecting you? Is it positive? Mm. Is it or is it like the Twinkie behind the couch? Are we crystal yeah. on the way home? I think yeah. we're a kale salad behind the couch, <laughs> which is not. You notice it because of the smell. You're like, what is happening? What is? We should go check yeah. that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. So if you find that kale, don't eat it. But no. um, that'd be bad. So but we do appreciate you listening. Hey, we have actually. Uh, I don't want to say this uh, in, in, in this true gratitude. Uh, we've gained a few new Patreon uh, supporters over the course of this time, and it means a lot to us. In fact, we're uh, going to be enacting some new ways to promote this and hopefully uh, get the message and, and the talk out to more people. So it means a lot to us that you're doing that, and hopefully we'll reach more people, especially during this quarantine time. And uh, we know people need more hope and more, I hope, semi-intelligent conversations uh, to be happening. And so thank you guys for doing that. It means a lot. Um since all that comes straight to me, I'm not giving any of it to Johnny, though he's sitting at home right now and can't go out and work. So, it's fine. Uh, Understand. Hey, no. comedy's going to be back bigger than ever. We're going to have people just packed into to stadiums, I'm oh, sure, very soon. Just goodness. arm in arm, laughing. Ca- laughing so hard they cough audibly into the back oh. of the neck of the person in front of them. And I can't wait oh, for it to happen. Goodness. And nobody's going to wince in terror when that happens. Nope. Nope. This stadium be, tour brought to you by Perel. It's just yeah. smooth, smooth, smooth sailing. Just as soon as we hit June, smooth, smooth sailing. sailing. That's, my, that's the name of the tour. It's the name of the tour. <laughs> Dude, yeah. you're going to be great, man. And, and I, I, if you haven't watched Johnny, uh, so the Starving Comics show, is that what it's called? Starving, Co- Starving uh, what is it? Yeah, Starving Comics Quarantine Show Quarantine is every show. Wednesday night with John Branion and Bob Smiley. You can find that on YouTube. I usually share it on my Facebook Live as well. I always share the links on my social media. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm, 
Uh, I've been doing a show with my buddy Marty Simpson once a week on his page. You can find him on Facebook as well. And then I'm launching a show next week. Nice. So launch my own show next week. And I have a very special like guest coming up on that. So that'll you definitely want to check that out. And it's not me, guys. It's so, not John. So yeah, we've had sorry. enough of John. Let's be real. Yeah, let's be honest. Well, I get to come on your show at all, though? Yeah, Jesus. of course, John. Of oh, course. Gosh. I had You're to royalty. Ask, you're royalty <laughs> on my show. <laughs> that means a lot. And listener, you're royalty to us. Uh, it means a lot that you uh, join us. It really does. It joins every week. And we're gaining new listeners right now. So share it with somebody. And leave those reviews, like Johnny always says. That really helps people when, they're, when the algorithm is putting out what they should be uh, listening to. Love to listen talk about that because they heard your stellar review of it or your mediocre review of it you can be honest just not that honest mm. only if your honesty helps us so but uh, it means a lot and we'll be sure to be back with you next week on talk about that Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.